The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. It was evening on the day Jesus rose from the dead, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Well, good morning. You are more awake and alive than I am this morning, praise God. As Father mentioned, my name is Deacon Keith Strom. I'm a deacon from the Archdiocese of Chicago, and uh, it's a great blessing for me to travel all over the world to share the love of the Father in Jesus Christ with individuals and with communities like yours. And it's a double blessing for me to be leading your parish mission this evening at 7 p.m., which will be at Good Shepherd, and Monday and Tuesday at 7, also at Good Shepherd. Uh, a number of months ago, I prayed to the Lord and I asked him to send me to the most tropical parts of his creation. And in his goodness, he sent me here, but the joke's on me because I'm already sweating. A number of years ago, when John Paul II visited Denver for World Youth Day, he got off the plane that took him to the United States and he went to the limousine that would be driving him everywhere. And he asked the limousine driver if it would be possible if he could drive himself. Now the limo driver, understanding the importance of the Holy Father, said, you know, Holy Father, I know these roads, and you don't, and I should probably drive. But John Paul II was insistent. He pressed in. He said, you don't know how long it's been since I've been able to drive myself anywhere. And I was hoping to experience that freedom here in the land of the free, and so may I please 
drive myself. Against his better judgment, the limo driver gave in, and so John Paul II and the limo driver exchanged places. Now John Paul II was enjoying himself driving all along the highways and the byways of Denver and perhaps enjoying himself a little too much because pretty soon a police cruiser pulled up behind the limousine, flashed its lights, and pulled the limo over. And the police officer got out of his vehicle, went up to the driver's side of the limo, and indicated for the driver to roll the window down. And when that window went down, the police officer looked into the limousine and immediately took three steps back, got on the phone, and called his sergeant. And he said, Sarge, we have a problem. So the sergeant asked him, well, what's, what's happened? And the police officer said, I've pulled somebody over for speeding, but they're really important. And so the sergeant asked him, well, how important is this person? Like, more important than the mayor? And without any hesitation, the police officer said, Sarge, way more important than the mayor. So the sergeant asked a second time, well, how important is this person? Like, more important than the governor? And again, without any hesitation, the police officer said, Sarge, way more important than the governor. And so now the sergeant started to get a little worried. He asks a third time. He says, well, how important is this person? More important than the president of the United States? And the police officer took one more look into the vehicle, got back on the phone and said, Sarge, way more important than uh, the president of the United States. So now the sergeant's in full-blown panic mode. He begins to shout at his officer, what have you done? How important is this person? Who have you pulled over? And the police officer thought about it for a second and said, Sarge, listen, I don't know who I've pulled over, but they have to be really important because the Pope is their driver. <laughs> I'm just warning you, that might be the highlight of this homily. I'm just... Why do I share that story with you this morning? Uh, because the truth is, often it's difficult for us to see who other people really are. And if we're honest with ourselves in our everyday life, often it's hard for us to see who we truly are, our deepest identity as sons and daughters of God. Identity is a powerful concept, right? The essence of who someone is. And today's readings speak to us powerfully about identity, about the identity of our Heavenly Father, about the identity of Jesus Christ, and about our identity as well, if we have ears to hear. This is one of my favorite gospel passages. It, it stirs something in me and moves me. Have you ever been afraid, not just a little spooked or startled, but truly and palpably afraid. You see, fear does powerful things to us. When we're afraid, our pupils dilate. Blood begins to flow to the large muscles in our extremities, preparing us for action, fight, or flight. The body releases adrenaline, which activates a small portion of our brain called the amygdala, which in turn begins to override our rational thinking. You see, when we become fearful, we cannot process information well or think clearly. We become closed off, locked into our primal responses of flight or fight. We become disconnected from our deepest self. And in today's gospel, we hear Jesus' disciples experiencing that same reality. They were afraid. Scripture tells us that the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. The disciples were literally closed off from everything else in their fear, locked away. 
until Jesus appears to them, stands in their midst, and pours out his Spirit upon them, just as God breathed into Adam in the book of Genesis, bestowing upon him life. The Lord Jesus breathes new life, the life of his kingdom, into his disciples, bestowing upon them his Holy Spirit. And in that moment, they were filled with peace and joy, and the power of the kingdom of God transformed them. They became more fully the persons that Jesus Christ proclaimed them to be free, forgiven, and empowered sons of God. They were so filled with this new life of the kingdom that in today's first reading we hear that many signs and wonders were done by them, and people were in awe. Later on in Scripture, we read that even Peter's shadow released the healing reality of God's kingdom. All of them were changed, except one, Thomas, who was not present in the upper room. And it was only when Thomas himself experienced the Lord that he too was transformed, and his experience with the Lord was more than just a simple meeting. Thomas didn't just see the Lord. Rather, Scripture says that he placed his hands in the wounds of Christ. You see, brothers and sisters, this is an intimate encounter with Jesus, which leads to a new kind of relationship with him in the power of the Holy Spirit. And though we sometimes identify Thomas as doubting Thomas, once transformed by Christ, this apostle is widely thought to have spread the gospel message as far east and south as India. And I believe that there's something fundamental that today's gospel calls us to reflect on today. The reality that we too, you and I, possess an identity as a son or a daughter of God. An identity that we didn't earn, but one which was given to us freely by a loving Father in His Son Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we gather together as sons and daughters of God at every celebration of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, to worship God and to break open this reality that before Jesus Christ and our baptism in Him, we were all living locked in an upper room, closed off from the grace of God, closed off from our reality, uh, our identity as sons and daughters of God. That our deepest identity as His sons and daughters is wounded and compromised by sin. That we who were created for an eternal relationship with a perfect Father who created us in love and through love and for love lived as outcasts and exiles in relation to God and His kingdom and to ourselves. But the good news of Jesus Christ, the very reality that we celebrate this Easter season is simply this, that through the great love of Jesus Christ, His offering of His very life for our sake, His resurrection, His ascension, and the gift of His Spirit, we discover our deepest identity, our ultimate purpose, and our final destiny. That brothers and sisters, in Jesus Christ, you and I are strangers no longer no longer locked in the upper room, but set free so that we might be a witness to the world of the goodness of our Heavenly Father. And this is true not because of our efforts or our goodness, but because of the one who left heaven in search of each of us. Our brothers and sisters, if we have been saved from something, it is only because the Lord desires to save us for something for an eternal relationship with Him, for a life of love 
characterized by freedom and peace and joy, even in the midst of the uncertainties and the grief and the brokenness of this life. And the life that we have received in Jesus should be marked by a desire to pour ourselves out for others. And so Christ saves us from e uh, eternal separation from God by pouring forth new life, kingdom life into us through the gift of his divine and Holy Spirit. And the church calls this gift of the Holy Spirit when we receive that baptism. The church calls this gift of the Holy Spirit which is sealed in confirmation. The church calls this life of the Spirit which is strengthened every time you and I receive Jesus, body and blood, soul and divinity in the Eucharist. The church calls this gift of the Spirit a promise and a foretaste of eternal life. And that is revolutionary language, brothers and sisters. But sometimes it seems so abstract and theological that it doesn't hit us in the very center of who we are. And so I want to give you an image to help. That at the moment of our baptism, you and I received a kind of down payment on eternity. And when we receive a down payment for something, we receive something measurable and tangible in the here and now with the promise of its fulfillment in the future. In other words, life lived as a disciple of Jesus Christ, life lived in the heart of the Father's love, is supposed to be an experience of the kingdom of God here on earth. In other words, there's supposed to be more to the Christian life than just muddling through in our own willpower, hoping that we can hold on long enough to squeak into purgatory. That you and I receive the Holy Spirit so that we might be set free and transformed so that we can experience the freedom, integrity, resurrection, healing, and wholeness of the kingdom of God in our lives right now in some measure, and not at some unspecified later date, or simply as a reward for a life well lived. But for many of us, the power of the kingdom of God, the peace, the healing, the forgiveness, the mercy, seems so far away. Often we struggle with the same issues over and over again, and God can seem like an abstract idea. And the thought that the power of God wants to come into our lives and radically change us and radically transform us seems like a dream or a story told by a people long ago that has no bearing in our everyday lives. But Jesus is clear in the scriptures over and over again that the kingdom of God is, in Greek, anthos hemon, that the kingdom of God is among you. Because the reality of the healing, the power, the resurrection, the wholeness of the kingdom of God is not distant, it's near. It's not intangible, it's concrete. The reality of the power of the kingdom of God is not simply a story that we share with one another when life gets difficult to bolster us up but is in fact an invitation to live in the freedom of Christ. The central drama at the heart of our faith, brothers and sisters, is simply this, that what Jesus is by nature, the Son of God, he invites us to become through grace. But so often, as Catholics, we have a sense that if we want to follow Jesus, life is going to have to be an experience of Lent the whole time. If it doesn't hurt, how do I know it's from God? John Paul II said this very clearly, however. He said that we are not a Lenten people, we are an Easter people. 
You see, as beautiful and as necessary and as holy as the disciplines and mortifications of Lent are, they are simply there to prepare us to receive the Easter mysteries, the mystery of resurrection, the mystery of new life, the mystery of healing, the mystery of freedom. This is what the gospel message is about. You and I were created for love, and Jesus came to set us free so that we might receive the love of the Father and share the love of the Father. When I was 10 years old, I was in love with a girl named Kathy. I thought the sun rose and the sun set anywhere that she went. And one day I saw her in a park near my house and uh, she was getting a drink of water. And I knew in this moment, this was my opportunity to pour out my heart for her. This was my opportunity to tell her how much I loved her. And so my 10 year old boy brain worked feverishly. Now I know for the women in the assembly this morning, when I say the phrase 10-year-old boy brain, you hear that as an oxymoron. I, I understand. I get it. But I worked feverishly to try to figure out what I needed to do, and in a flash, I had it. It had rained several hours earlier. The ground was drying up. I knew in that moment that if I picked up a clump of mud from the ground, and I threw it as hard as I could at Kathy, and if it hit her, she would know the depths of my love. And that's exactly what I did. I picked up that clump of mud and threw it as hard as I could. And God, in his goodness, guided my aim because when Kathy came up from that drink of water, this clump of mud hit her right between the eyes. And I was like, yes, she knows. Now, I didn't date till I was 17. I'm not sure if those two things are connected. But I share that story with you this morning out of a sense of gratitude. You see, I'm grateful that God is a greater communicator of His love than I am of mine. That when God wanted to pour forth His love for His people after the fall, He called Abram and Sarah together and sent them on a journey. And from Abram and Sarah came the twelve tribes of Israel. And when that wasn't enough, He sent the judges to the twelve tribes. And when that wasn't enough, He sent the prophets to the nation of Israel. And when that wasn't enough, He sent His own Son, who lived our life and died our death. Not simply to teach us what life in the kingdom would be like, not simply to give us an example of what kingdom love looks like, but in Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, the very reality of the power of the kingdom of God is poured out upon us so that we might become free, so that we might live in newness of life. Jesus says this in the Gospel of John chapter 10, verses 9 to 10. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. And so I just want to ask you a few questions before I finally end my homily this morning. What would it be like for us to experience this fullness of life today? What would it mean for our own self-understanding if fear no longer ruled us? if the voice of accusation no longer drove us, if our brokenness and the burdens that we carried in this life could be radically transformed by the very presence, the very power, the very person of Jesus Christ? What if there was more to church than just a nice message or good moral teaching? Brothers and sisters, what if our own experience of being Catholic bears only the slightest resemblance to what God in His goodness intends for it to be? In other words, what if there is more what if there is an even deeper love and intimacy and freedom that the Father wants to pour out for us than you and I could ever even imagine? 
And so I want to invite each and every one of you to come and to join us at the Ablaze Parish Mission. It begins this evening at 7 at Good Shepherd. We're going to break open the answers to these questions. We're going to go into scripture and tradition, and I'm going to share more stories from my own life. Tonight we're going to talk about what it means to, to um, be loved by the one who is love. Tomorrow night we're going to talk about how the Father has made a way through the power of sin and death. And Tuesday evening at 7 we're going to talk about what it means to live in the freedom of the kingdom of God, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And so if you are hungering for more out of life and faith, if you're hurting in any way, if you're longing for a deeper connection to God, if you come to church out of a sense of obligation or simply to please a family member, and you're not sure about this God stuff, or if you've been Catholic your whole life and you can't imagine how your relationship with God could get any deeper, I invite you to come to the mission. If you can't make every night of the mission, come to the nights that you can. But if you come to the mission, come prepared to encounter the one who has given everything for you and I. I travel all over the world and I see God moving in normal and natural ways and I see God moving in supernatural ways. I see the power of the kingdom of God breaking into our everyday lives and opening the eyes that are blind and, and allowing the deaf to hear and the lame to walk. I see it regularly. And why should this surprise us? We believe in a God who desires to be in intimate relationship with us so deeply that he makes himself so small that we can receive him body and blood, soul and divinity into our very being. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. Brothers and sisters, what if Jesus really meant what he said? Come to the parish mission and find out.